Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, seen Wednesdays on the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page and the Great American Collectibles Facebook page. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by the National Sports Collectors Convention and Sports Collectors Daily. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now your host, Tom Zappala. Oh, Chrissy, 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 where is everybody? Tom, 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 I don't know. Where's Rico? Isn't he down there with you, or did you lose yeah, him already? You know what Rico's doing right now as we're speaking? What's he doing? Fishing. Fishing? He's fishing. I called him this morning. I says, Mallory's sick. Come on over. Nah, I'm fishing. I'm fishing. He's on his dock fishing. I says, fine. So, and you know what he's doing? He's catching these snappers off his dock, and right. he said... He and Elsie have been eating like kings and queens. He's catching these snappers, and I know they're not legal, uh, legal lengths, but he's catching them. He fillets them, pan fries them, and they have a little feast. So he's, uh, he's not here. Mallory, sick in bed, COVID, gone. He's getting everybody at the moment, everybody. I know. Welcome to the Great American Collectible Show, Tom Zappala. Working solo? No, no way. I'm bringing in two heavyweights that we're going to talk talk to in a few minutes. Our good friend Paul Borges from PB Collectibles. He's taking Mallory's place. I'm kind of glad about that. <laughs> and then we have Matt Clark, Operations Director for REA Auctions, who's going to be joining us. Matt's never been on the air with us, so we're going to have some fun with him. Anything goes today, but first, our headlines. Johnny Unitas Collection headlines the Super Bowl auction. Uh, items from the collection of pro but, uh, football icon Johnny Unitas headlined the 17th annual Super Bowl live auction. The newly launched event is once again a joint effort between Hunt Auctions and the NFL. Over 1,000 football-related items are on the block, culminating with a live finale on Saturday, February 10th, just ahead of Super Bowl, whatever the hell it is. Hundreds of, I can't read uh, Roman numerals. Hundreds of items have been consigned by the family of Unitas, the late Hall of Famer quarterback who died in 2002 at the age of 69. This is going to be a spectacular auction. For more information, you can go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. Sports Collectors Daily, our good friend Rich Miller and his staff there. All right, let's bring in our two guests simultaneously, Paul Borges from PB Collectibles and Matt Clark from REA Auctions. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Tom. How are you? Good, good. good. How are you? Thanks Paul? for having us. Now, Paul, is it snowing down there? It is. It is. It's kind of nasty out. Matter of fact, now it's getting to a little bit of frozen rain. It's, it's very unattractive. How about uh, how about you, Matt? Any snow? Yeah, we spent about an hour shoveling my driveway this morning. Uh, finally made it to work, and uh, uh, we're getting some snow here still. So, wow. Yeah, I just shoveled out myself. Uh, <laughs> I bet. No, actually, it's been great. Uh, today it's going to be eighty. I'm very kind of happy about that because the weather has sucked. But anyway. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today, and by the by the way, for uh, for uh, you know we've we've been talking about this quite a bit. Um, on uh, March second, Rico and I are going to be doing a fundraiser for Little Smiles uh, down here in Florida. That's an organization uh, that really helps kids that are very sick, homeless, uh, in a hospice, in the hospital. Uh, we're going to be doing a uh, an event at the County Line Restaurant on March second, a live auction. Q&A with Rico. 
when Rico gets up and starts talking, he is absolutely hysterical. I am not kidding. I can't tell you how funny he is. He just goes off on these tangents and talks about how, like when Tiant was on the mound and you know how they'd all get together, the shortstop and the right. And Tiant would be up there and all of a sudden, like one of the managers would walk out and Rico used to just shake his head because of the conversations that would, would take place between Tiant and whoever the manager was, just absolutely hysterical. So if you can, uh, we'd love you to join us. If you can't, there is a link. Uh, you can see the link, please. Even if it's 20 bucks, make a donation for these kids. All right, let's get together now with uh, with both uh, Paul and Matt. I'm going to ask you guys both this question coming out of the hobby. Matt, you first. Is the hobby going in the right direction? And I'm talking about based on what the economy is looking like for 2024 based on what collectors are buying um, modern collectors, uh, vintage collectors. What's your take on the direction that the hobby is going in right now? Yeah. I mean, I have a pretty optimistic view on it uh, in general. I mean, I think that over the last couple of years, we've seen some market correction and some areas that were, you know, pretty inflated during COVID Um you know, and and I think the vintage market has held pretty strong. You know, we've seen we've seen some dips in some areas, but they haven't been catastrophic by any means. Um, I think that over the past you know twelve to eighteen months or so, there's been a lot of good opportunity to to pick some stuff up, and there's been some decent deals um, on some some great long term items, in my opinion. So, you know, looking ahead to this year, I think that. Um, you know, obviously things are a bit up in the air at the moment, economy-wise. But um, I, you know, I have, I, I, like I said, I have a pretty optimistic view on it. I think that um, people will kind of shift their focus more towards the vintage stuff. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what the basketball market does. But as far as you know, vintage baseball in particular, I feel I feel pretty confident about it. Paul, I think I think the same thing. I I what from what I see, um, I'm very optimistic about 2024. I think there's going to be uh, obviously, it's a political year this year. That'll make a difference, I think, in the economy. Uh, um, I definitely agree with you, Matt. The vintage market, uh, particularly baseball, is, is is I feel is pretty strong. I I still see it. I did a show yesterday in Dedham, and uh, the vintage market is strong. I see lots of kids trying to jump into uh, the vintage market, trying to get rid of their modern stuff yeah. and move into that market. And uh, it's just funny to see. But I'm very optimistic that. Uh, things are changing. So you guys think that the the light is finally going on for some of the younger kids, uh, the modern market and ultra modern market buyers. I mean, you know, we talked about it, Paul, and I know you've been with us for a long time now, and we've talked about it uh, on many, many occasions, not really uh, telling people what to do, but maybe uh, uh, advising some of these young collectors to be careful about, you know, buying that Wanda Franco card, and I use them all the time, and flipping it. Uh, cause some of them got burnt, uh, pretty big. So you guys both think that the modern collector and by the modern collector, I'm not talking about guys that are, you know, uh, baby boomers. Cause I know a lot of them do collect the modern, but I'm talking about kids. So you guys both think that the, you know, they're kind of seeing the whole picture now. I think, 
you know, personally, I think that modern cards are a great segue for that generation because, you know, you need to you need to grab their interest with people that they've seen play and they respect and they admire. Um, and then once they, you know, get into it, obviously during the pandemic, you know, it's everyone's making money hand over fist and everyone's pretty happy and things are going great. And during that time, I think you learn a lot about the hobby. And then, you know, when the switch kind of flips and you know, the, the the tide kind of goes out on some of that stuff. I think that you're you're left with kind of a, a bigger picture about what the industry looks like. And you're definitely going to lose some of those collectors. Some people are just going to kind of fall by the wayside and lose interest. But the ones who are truly passionate about cards and collectibles, I think, I think will be left with a pretty good vision of, you know, vintage. Paul, you agree? I do agree. I think that uh it's funny some of the younger kids uh, are are start trying to get into the vintage market now and switching over but i find that some of the younger kids don't know the history of the game or are really students of of the game if you will and some of these younger collectors while they're great and don't get me wrong i see my fair share of them at shows and in the shop but some are just getting so enamored in the quick flip and all of these things that they kind of miss the boat a little bit yeah i, I kind of agree with the with you on that point because i've seen it uh, i've seen it with my own you know grandson how it, it's it seems as though they're they're not as uh in tune with the story behind the player as yeah. the value of the card which is i find that a little uh discouraging but i think as you get a little older i think that's gonna i think that's gonna switch um, at least i'm hoping we are chatting with the Paul from PB Collectibles and Matt from REA Auctions. Matt, let's talk about, you guys have a, an auction going on right now. Let's talk about it. One thing that sticks out in my mind, because I own one and I love it, and it's it's not an expensive piece. You have a Harry Wright signed scorecard. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, super cool piece, obviously anything signed by Wright, you know, anything, any 19th century signature, um, you know, certainly not something you see every day. We also have a George Wright signed piece in there too. So pretty cool to have both the brothers in, uh, in one auction, um, all part of a pretty extensive autograph collection that was consigned to us, Roberto Clemente check and a PSA 10 too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of 19th century baseball in general. I think those are the guys that kind of built the game and, um, you know, kind of touching on what we were just talking about with some of the younger generation in this industry, I, I think are often forgotten. You know, people don't really know the names like they do, even guys like Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle. So absolutely um, agree. Absolutely and I think that in the, in the past couple of years, we've seen some, we've had a fair amount of right pieces come up. I think we actually sold that piece uh, one other time in the last couple of years. And yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, low thousands of dollars, not a, not a crazy piece, um, but a really important part of a American baseball history. You know, what's interesting about that piece. His handwriting was impeccable. Uh, and oh, yeah. the way, the way he scored a game was just like magnificent with his little signature down the bar. Yeah. That's one of my cherished pieces. And I didn't pay, I didn't pay a, a ton of money for it. Um, you've got some other, you got a 52 mantle, uh, how's let's talk about the 52 mantle. I want would both of you guys, is the 52 mantle still holding its own? Personally, I think it is. I mean, I, I think that um, especially with cards with great eye appeal, you know, the one that we have is really, really awesome looking front. It's got some little bit of back damage from where it was stored in an album. But I mean, great looking card, you know, it's had off center, but the color is tremendous. And I think for those cards that have great eye appeal, you know, collectors kind of realize 
that the opportunity to own them is relatively scarce. You know, there you can you can find fifty two mantles anywhere. It's just a a matter of money, but to find the right one, you know, you you got to look. With definitely with the eye appeal and the centering, I I find that the fifty two mantle is is the logo of the hobby. I mean, everybody gravitates and everybody knows what the 52 Mantle is. Even the younger kids, they know uh, the card. So I I view it as the logo of the hobby. Like Jerry West is the logo of the NBA. You know, it's interesting because I don't, I've never owned one. I do not own one, but I've, I've, I've been giving serious thought to buying one for that very reason. I mean, listen, as you said, Matt, there are thousands of them out there, literally thousands of them out there, but that that card never seems to lose its luster. I think that's that's pretty much it. And I think it has to do with a lot of that has to do with you know the issue, the fifty two uh, tops issue, oh, yeah. and and uh, the beauty of that card, the color. Again, I have a fifty two Bowman, uh, fifty one Bowman mantle, uh, and you know it's really a true rookie card. But you really can't compare the two cards, at least in in my opinion. It's funny we've well, talked about three pieces. We've talked about this before. The fifty one mantle does not get the love that the fifty two mantle gets, nor does the fifty one Bowman maze. Excuse me, the fifty one Bowman maze Same get thing. the love that the that the fifty two tops does. And uh, I've had five fifty one Bowman mantles in in the shop in the last year and a half, and no fifty two mantle no 52 mantle so it's it's kind of a weird dynamic yeah Crazy. i love both of the cards i mean they're they're both great pieces but yeah like you know kind of touching on what paul said i mean it is the most iconic card in the hobby and you can make the case that it's something else the wagner or something but you know you just don't see them that often so the mantles you see it shows you see in auctions and um yeah i mean like like you said tom i mean you know the first full-size tops issue it's the first high number um obviously just a remarkably iconic image um, great color, you know, so many great cards in that set, one of the most widely collected sets. So I just think it checks a lot of boxes for collectors. You know, let's let's talk about the Wagner card for a minute. Now, you know, this has been a banner year for Wagner cards. Now, obviously, <clears throat> not everybody, very few people can uh, afford uh, a T206 Wagner, and plus they're not available. Uh, however, it seems that there has been a tremendous uh, uptick on E90-2s and M116 Wagners this year. I mean, some of the prices that some of you guys, I think you guys had one, uh, I think. I, I, I could be wrong, but yeah, some, of, some of the prices that the M116 and the E90-2, and then there are some other E-cards and lesser cards, but those two issues, man, they have skyrocketed this year. Yeah, we have an M116 Wagner and a you know pastel one and a PSA authentic in this auction. I think it's already at six grand, and we have you know better part of a week left in the auction. Crazy. Where do you, where do you see that going? What what kind of price do you think? I mean, based on where it's at now, I you know I'd pre-auction, I would have told you probably you know five grand to seventy five hundred. You know now I'd I'd say it's probably ten to twelve. Wow, unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Uh, I had a uh, an M116. Uh, with the blue background in an auction, I don't great know, card. Four months ago, five months ago, I was just flabbergasted, flabbergasted at uh, at what did it you, sold. Did you for. own it? I know you told me about. It. Did you own it for a long time? That card, Tom. Honestly, Paul, I owned that card. I guess I can I can tell you now that the auction's over, and I didn't. I try not to tout cards. Obviously, you can't. But I bought that card. I had that card less than a year. 
Oh, wow. So you did. And I paid in a private sale, I paid $22,000 for that card. It was a uh, four. I think it was a three, maybe a three. It was a three. Sold it for 48000 that's in, a good good return there. Yeah, in in less than in less than a year, and I was just like, oh. I was kind of asked, actually after it sold, I said, no, nah, maybe I should have held on to it. But that's what's happening to the to the Wagner cards. I mean, they're, they're just taking off. Same thing with the E ninety, the Dash two. Yeah, that's which, one of my favorite cards. Yeah, I mean, so which leads me to my next question to both of you, and then we're going to get into the auction, obviously, Matt. But it seems to me that there's also a, starting there's starting to be an uptick in in kind of odd issue Cobb cards, not T206s, not Cracker Jacks, but some of those E, e numbers, I've, I've noticed that some of those prices have, have, have ticked up a little bit. It, you guys, have you seen that? Are you aware of that? Yeah. I mean, look, I think that when it comes to that era, 1910 era, you know, cards of major Hall of Famers, I think a lot of those you know, T206s are the easiest thing to gravitate to. And then, you know, I think that once you get into that world, you start realizing, you know, how much rarer some of these other issues are and, and very attractive cards and, and a lot of issues. And like, you know, the E90-2 Wagner, for example, is one of my favorite cards, period. Um, and very, very tough to come by. Um, even the M116s, you know, obviously now with the Wagner, they're, they're getting a lot of attention, but that's another great set, relatively rare to tobacco cards that doesn't really get a lot of love. Historical. I, I think that uh, Cobb is definitely recognizable and it's recognizable for most people, even the younger folk too. I mean, it's Ruth, it's, it's Wagner, the mantle still, the, the I believe is the centerpiece of the hobby for most people, but Cobb is definitely recognizable and very desirable for most people. Uh, hey, Matt, I know you have a lot of T206s in, in your auction. Tell us about that. It's still the go-to card for collectors. It's There's zillions of them around, and it's there are so many ways you can collect them. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Tell us about yeah. it. I, I mean, look, that's the thing. You just said it right there. I think that's you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you can, you can create so many different subsets of T206s that you can – you know, you can put together a collecting interest within that set in, you know, more ways than you can count. I mean, whether you're doing backs or back series or players or teams, Southern leaguers, minor leaguers, Hall of Famers, portraits. So, you know, I, I think that there's so much nuance to it that um, it, it kind of negates how many there are out there because people people want to collect. They just find their kind of niches in the within the, the market. Um, great set, obviously one of the most widely collected sets. We have hundreds in every auction. I, you do. I mean, yeah, it's like them, amazing. You know? yeah. hey, Paul, how about you? Do you get into T206 as much? I, I can't say. Uh, I, I think we mentioned this before is the, from the pre-war side, I've gotten my fair share of it, but not like an overload of like the 50s, 60s, some 40s. I, I really don't see a lot. I mean, of so that that's your wheelhouse, Paul, right? 40s, yeah. 50s, and 60s, which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's the, great. The, I did have one guy who uh, uh, took over, uh, inherited a house in Pennsylvania, and he came in here with a tin full of raw T206s. And uh, most of the stars weren't there, but I did get the red and the green back, uh, uh, the red and the green Cobb and a Matheson and a Young. It's but, pretty cool uh, to see when they come in like that, right? It's yeah, it is. The, the, the history behind it. He didn't know. He didn't even know what he had. They yeah. were in a tin, and uh, so that's kind of cool. Do you, do you feel like? 
this stuff is still out there to be found. Oh, we had a, you know, one of the coolest consignments that I've had the pleasure to work on. We had a, a, a woman come in. We did a consigner story about her on our on our website. Um, and her 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 grandfather, her grandfather, great grandfather, you know, his parents owned one of the first um, uh, general stores in like South Central Florida and um, sold Piedmont cigarettes and oh, those um, are the ones. I mean, that's she had, cool. you know, she had nearly 2,000 T206s. Um, right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're, we're up against the clock. Uh, we come back. Paul, you had one hell of a haul. There's a rumor circulating. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk to Matt uh, about more of the uh, great stuff in his, uh, his auction, uh, their auction. Well, we're going to be all over the place. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Rico Petroselli. Right now, thousands of children are facing the most difficult times in their lives with serious illness, homelessness, and other tragedies. I hope that you can join us on March 2nd at the County Line Restaurant in Juno Beach, Florida for a live auction and some great baseball talk. If you can't join us, please consider a donation to littlesmilesfl.org. That's littlesmilesfl.org to help these kids. And when you donate, please mention the Great American Collectibles Show. We hope you'll help. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, mile high. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, Homeowner's insurance is all most people need, but for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE 
or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game-used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Okay, uh, we are back and uh, we're going to be chatting with Paul and Matt. But first, it's time. Welcome to another Gax Moment brought to you each week by our good friend Paul Borges and the great staff at PB Collectibles, your neighborhood card shop. Go to pbcollectibles.com to find that special card or piece of memorabilia. <clears throat> this week, is I'm, t- I'm titling this piece, I guess I'm looking in the wrong place. Every week we read about a find. Most recently, some guy found an unopened 1952 Bowman pack uh, behind a stairwell uh, during a demolition uh, that he was doing on a home in Massachusetts. A demolition found a pack. Whose cards are in the pack? Mantle? Maze? The pack is definitely worth some serious money, probably around 20 grand. Then there was the famous Lucky 7 find where the seven pristine Ty Cobb cards with Ty Cobb tobacco backs were found, worth millions. Trove of 1920s cards recently discovered in the California closet. Again, treasure trove of cards worth a lot of money. The stories go on and on. The Black Swab find, and of course, the famous Mr. Mint 52 tops find. You get my drift. For years, I've been looking for that find. You know, yard sales, estate sales, uh, out-of-the-way flea markets, small antique shops. You name it, I've tried it. I'm sure many of you are always looking for that find yourselves. You know, that 1910 Nap Lajeway card stuck in your great-great-grandfather's shaving box or that 57 mantle in Uncle Harry's golf bag. We are forever on the hunt. Over the years, I've had a few finds, though. I once found a 1952 Ike DeLock card at a flea market in Maine. The card sucked, as did the Red Sox in 1952. And I can't forget the Honus Wagner discovery I made back in the 90s. A beat-up old T206 card found in a collection of other cards at another flea market. Only problem? The back said Walmart. My most cherished find, however, was at an estate sale in Massachusetts. This is gold. I was rummaging through a box and found a Rico Petroselli bobblehead doll. Now notice that Rico has a Tampa Bay uniform on. It's when he was coaching their minor league affiliate, the Fisher Cats. 
Most of my funds have found themselves in the dump, but my Rico doll, no way, Jose. I'll keep it. Right now, I'm touching it up to look like a Red Sox uniform. It's going to be one of one. I'm going to keep it until I'm broke. Then I'm going to cash it in for millions. And that's another Gax moment. That's okay. Super. We are back with Paul Borges and Matt. How you guys doing? All right? Good, good, good. You know, good, it's too bad. Good. It's you know, I, I, please watch the show tomorrow night because again, and I've, I've, our viewers know this, you can't see the images that go with the narrative, but it all comes together with the the beautiful magic that Chrissy uh, Chrissy does. He's so it's, a, it's it's true about the bobblehead doll, and you'll see it uh, when you when you watch the show. I went on trying to find a Rico bobblehead doll. The only one in existence is him with a Tampa bit with a Tampa uh, <laughs> uniform on, hysterical. All right, let's get back to uh, some of the stuff we were talking about. Uh, Matt, I wanted to talk to you about your auction. Uh, you had, oh, E92s, E93s. That's a, a kind of an issue now that uh, kind of like a secondary issue, but again, another issue that's picking picking up a lot of uh, steam. Yeah, I think kind of what we were talking about, you know, a little bit ago, I think that with um, people kind of, I think T206s really bring people into that 19 era tobacco and candy card um, you know, issues. And then they, they kind of discovered all these other very rare, very <clears throat> cool cards in the, in during their hunts for, for T206s. And, um, there's a lot of them, you know? So, I mean, I'm, I think E93s are some of the coolest cards out there. You know, they're, they're obviously very rare. Um, we had the privilege uh, probably about a year, year and a half ago now of selling, you know, the, the best set. Um, that was incredible. Um, you know, E106s is, is an incredible set, and you really never see those cards. And, um, you know, as Paul was mentioning before, I mean, great Cobb cards and that set. So, yeah, that's actually, that was one of the issues I was referring to with the Cobb cards skyrocketing. Paul, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you uh, had a find. <laughs> uh, you, you had a haul, uh, quite a haul. Uh, you and I spoke on the phone. You showed me some pictures, and uh, I was going to send a, uh, uh, an air cargo uh, plane over <laughs> to help you out. Why don't you tell us about the find and some of the great stuff that uh, sure, you have? Sure. Now. So I uh, got a call uh, a few months back uh, about a collection mm -hmm. and it was through uh, one of the many Facebook groups you're familiar with Tom and uh, through a friend that I've dealt with several times, never personally met, but spoke on the phone several times. Uh, and we've had correspondence. He's bought a lot of stuff from me. And anyway, he recommended me to um, a couple of guys out in Peoria, Illinois, of all places. Wow. And, and um, the uh, sad story, but the 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 man who had the collection uh, was killed uh, by in an Uber accident. Uh, he was going to go out to a business meeting, took an Uber, and the Uber driver killed himself uh, with him in the car. Uh, drove straight into a Jersey barrier. Wow. Uh, but terrible. he was a, yeah, it's an unbelievable story. But anyway, uh, they were uh, getting rid of the collection after a year and a half, two years. And uh, so I flew out. I We did a, first we started with a FaceTime call and kind of viewed the collection a little bit to see if it was worth coming out to Peoria. And I flew out uh, in December, the first weekend in the second weekend in December, thereabouts, my first time. and. Uh, picked up a good portion of it. And uh, I just was out there last week uh, picking up the remainder. And I had a friend who went out with a, drove out with a big truck 
and then we loaded up the rest of it. I flew back. He drove. Uh, and, yeah, which was nice. And uh, we picked up the rest. I got out of there just in time. I, I heard it's 20 below zero there. So I was just there last week. Most of the collection or a good portion of it was uh, 50s, more heavily 60s, but just pristine uh, condition. I think the highlight of it was right here is this signed Rico Petroselli card. <laughs> In a box, so I can relate to your uh, bobblehead. But um, wait a minute, Paul. Hey, I have an idea. Send me the card, and we'll put the card and the bobblehead doll on REA auctions. Right? See what there happens. Yeah, there you go. I'm full circle. I, I, I when I saw it in the box, I, I couldn't believe it. But we, it was literally about forty. They had forty bins of sets, uh, star cards. I mean. Almost every star card from about 59 well, into the 70s. And then, you know, Shoei Otani's. I must have 100 different Shoei Otani. Oh, you name it, it was in there. So a lot of it, uh, most of the collection, uh, 99% of it was raw. I sent a good portion of it to uh, SGC to get the turnaround time. And uh, I sent a good portion now to... Uh, PSA because there were a number of star sets. I don't know the star yeah. basketball, which they now grade. I, I, there's so much stuff to go through. I, I don't even know where to begin. I have over 75 binders <laughs> of stuff from the from about 59 up to still go through. Um, just an unbelievable find that will give me inventory for for a long time. Just to give you an idea, I pulled. Uh, like we have, uh, here's a beautiful. Wow, that's a nice car. Yeah, in a seven, there were there were like three or four uh, tall boy sets. You know, the Jabbar was in there. The Jabbar, I was disappointed. I did have a couple of fives, and this one was a four and a half. Uh, but stuff like and and stuff like this, uh, the Clemente in a seven. Oh, that's good stuff, though, Paul. And uh, yeah, I did stuff. get, I did get a. Uh, Two Pete Rose rookies. Wow. And one here is in a seven and a half. Beautiful. And the other one, uh, a Pete Rose in an eight and a half, which is at my house. I, for, I did not bring it today, but it's it's that kind of it's Stargills and sevens. Uh, oh, the, man, that's 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 fabulous. That yeah, is fabulous. Gibson a, Bob Gibson in a six. So, Paul, like, obviously, you have a small shop. You're in you're in Newport. Um you're not a big eBay guy, I know. So how do you how how will you sell this this on your on your Facebook uh font on, on Facebook pages? Facebook groups. Uh yesterday I was in Denham at Cardboard Promotions, Doug Keating, one of the best shows. Doug's a great Northeast. kid. Great kid. One of the best shows in the Northeast. Yeah. Uh, for a small venue. Yeah. And next week I'm in New York, uh going to uh, be in Philly. Uh and plus I have a little bit of a People know that I have this stuff. And they come in. in Newport, they call. So it's a, it's a little bit of everything, if you will. Fabulous, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Hey, uh, Matt, let's talk about, uh, again, the phenomena, a phenomenon. What is it? Phenomena, a phenomenon, whatever, of unopened packs. Uh, you guys have a bunch in your auction. And it seems as that this whole unopened pack stuff has really exploded. Agree? And can you uh, elaborate on what you guys have? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we got we have been consigned a pretty extensive, um, you know, unopened collection. Uh, unfortunately, from somebody who passed away, his family has consigned it to us. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that seventies unopened in particular, early eighties, very rare stuff, you know, and and it's difficult for a lot of people to kind of wrap your head around because early unopened is relatively late for vintage, right? You know, you get into you know, mid seventies packs or early seventies packs. And as far as vintage cards go, you know, you're really looking at forties, fifties and sixties stuff. So right. you think that people try to equate, you know, the cards that are inside those packs and what they might be worth to the value of the pack and that the math doesn't usually add up. So um, I think they have to kind of be viewed as, you know, their, their own, their own animal, their own entity. And, you know, the thing about them is that those packs, especially the early seventies stuff, um, really rare to find, you know. I mean, if you think about it, one of the most common um, early '70s packs is '72 basketball, and you know, even them, you hardly ever see. Yeah. Well, do you I, get into? I mean, I, what about you? Do you get into unopened packs? And I, what's your thoughts? I I love the unopened stuff. I try. I I don't get into the '70s stuff, but usually uh, I have right now at the shop here t- today. I ha- usually carry a box or two just for pack collectors from 81 up. So I, I do do it. And I do have people, especially in the summertime that gravitate to that stuff. I also have some unopened pack from, you know, the Mahomes year and sure. some different football stuff. I had uh, some second year Gretzky packs, boxes, O three 3 Chrome for LeBron. So in that sense, I don't go back into the 70s. But I like to have a variety so that people, when they come to the shop, I try to have stuff that I like that they might like. And so it works. You know, so in, in essence, uh, uh, it, to, to go along with what you guys talking about, now we have a ton of uh, companies that do rips and pack openings on the air. I mean, on, on the Internet, they're very, very, very popular. So is a pack an opening, like when you register, does that go hand in hand with, for instance, I don't want to say it's gambling, but that the whole concept of what's going on now with, uh, uh, you know, w- wagering and all, all of that. I mean, is it a form of gambling in your mind or is it, you know, I, I just want to get your opinions on that, Matt. I personally, I think that it is, you know, I mean, it's, I'm I'm very fortunate that it's something that I don't personally find a lot of interest in is buying boxes to to open them. I think that, you know, kind of what Paul is touching on, there's some really cool packs, even in the more modern guys, Mahomes, Otani, um, the early 2000s stuff with guys like LeBron and Brady. Um, I think those boxes are really cool. Peyton Manning, I think there's potentially, you know, some of the, some undervalued stuff there. Um, But to start opening them, looking for cards, hoping that they're tens going. I just think that it's a losing proposition and, you know, you, you, you get some wins. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's a, it's it's a, it's a long game. I I mean, go ahead, Paul. No, I was going to say, I don't know if you've seen this um, on some of the Facebook groups, but there are some Facebook groups that have these razes. I don't know if you've seen a raz. Let's just say here's a Dr. J uh, rookie in a six. And let's say that the card is about $650. So they'll have 10 spots at $65 a piece. Then there's a video guy that comes in, you know, they'll spin or do the video numbers and somebody will win the card. 
that seemed to be very popular, but it's definitely a form of, let's face it. I mean, it, it has is, to be, right? Yes, yeah, it's, so it's a raffle, you know, I mean. Yeah, it's certainly. But it is extremely, and listen, I mean, very again, popular. I know you guys, I know, Paul, you know, I mean, we've we not, not, We've been part of some of the some of the big ones uh, that have transpired, uh, and you know they're all legit. They all do very, very, very well. Um, you know, and I kind of tip my hat to them. I mean, I see Charlie, you know, Charlie Perino, yeah. JRI cards. I see what Layton does. They get yeah. just they do such a fantastic job. They really do. They both do a good job, and people seem to have fun. You know, it's entertainment for people. I, you know, I recently, um, I recently met up with a guy that I went to high school with. We have a mutual friend that we're both still very close with. And, you know, he's a, he's in law enforcement and we had just hadn't talked in the better part of a decade. And, um, he was asking me what I do. And I was telling him, and he told me that he doesn't collect, he knows nothing about cards, but he goes on Facebook and Instagram and watches people break boxes for hours. For hours on end. And it's funny. I always have at my little shop. I'll have, you know, YouTube videos, you know, YouTube channels on and so forth. Obviously this show and uh, kids love it when there's breaks on. If kids are in the shop and there's breaks, they're sitting there just, you know. Yeah, it's incredible. The whole, well, yeah. have you ever done one in your shop? I have not. You know, the shop, as as I mentioned to you, Tom, before is is very tight and and small. So I really don't have the room to like do a trade night or, yeah. or those type of things. But so, no, I haven't. Interesting. And I mean, there's some, some cool stuff. We've got about two minutes left in this segment. I want to ask you guys real quickly, um, the whole concept two years ago, fractional buying, fractional buying, fractional buying. It was the way to go. It was the way to go. Is it even, does it still exist? I mean, it's kind of crashed, Matt. Yeah, I think that in our industry, it's certainly kind of taken a big step backwards. Um, I think that, you know, Rally Road and um, you know, in other areas of collectibles, there's it's still viable. I think the problem with it is, you know, I think it's a great concept. And I think that as this market tends to appreciate, which I believe that it will, it's going to really have a place. But you need the back end trading where guys can buy and sell the stuff, these assets, as if they essentially are kind of like stocks. And in, until it gets to a point where some of these better items are so expensive that the average person can't buy them and has to buy shares. I don't see it, you know, as being something that's really going to take off. Gotcha. Paul? I I personally don't like it um, for me. I'll just give you an example. Just yesterday in Dedham at the show, uh, a buddy of mine, another uh, vendor, asked me if I wanted to go in and a couple of Gaudis with them. And it it's like, well, then who owns the I, – I, I'd rather either he buys it or I buy it. Right. I don't want to own it with somebody else, with somebody else. Just just in that instance, it just happened yesterday. A couple of Gehrig's and a couple of Ruth's, and I just didn't want to go in on it with them. Interesting. And it wasn't anything bad. It's like, who owns it? When do we sell? What do we do? It, it, it's just too complicated for me. All right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We are chatting with Matt Clock, Operations Director, REA Auctions, and our good friend Paul Borges from PB Collectibles. We have one more Short segment. We're going to talk about a few other things. I want to get their opinions on a couple of other things, what's hot, and then finalize with Matt's auction. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. 
Jared Cavalier and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you are a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport. Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field, and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer, because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. For more than 30 years, Robert Edward Auctions has been the industry leader when it comes to helping you realize the most money for your baseball cards and sports memorabilia. In addition to their unparalleled reputation for honesty and integrity, they reach the largest number of bidders in the business and offer lower seller's fees, as well as generous cash advances up front on your valuable material. Contact them today at 908-226-9900. That's 908-226-9900 or at robertedwardauction.com. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. 
Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. Hey, I'm Mike Petroselli. If your company is looking for the best in marketing and promotional items, you'll hit a home run with Petroselli Marketing. With over 8,000 suppliers and 650,000 imprint-ready items, we can get your company the visibility it needs to get your maximum exposure. Whether it be office promotions, wearables, automotive, sports items, and everything in between, Petroselli Marketing can do it all. Our design staff will even work with you from concept to delivery and customize your products. At Petroselli Marketing Group, we will get your brand in front of your audience. Contact us at info at PetroselliMKT.com or call us at 603-880-3202. That's Petroselli Marketing, where no dream is impossible. Okay, we are back chatting with Matt Clark, Operations Director for REA Auctions, and our good friend Paul Borges from PB Collectibles. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> hey, got a question for you guys. I'm going to direct this to you first, Matt. Uh, no, actually, before I direct the question, tell us about some of the other items in the auction. Sure. So, you know, some of my favorite ones, we got a um, a little more modern than than I typically dabble in, but we have a, a really cool 86 tops um, Steve Young rookie, SGC 10, uh, one of only three 10s that SGC has ever graded. Super cool card. Um, a lot of great T206 Cobbs. We have a EPDG back that's doing really well. Um, we have some great unopened. Uh, you know, we have a 71 football pack, 57 football pack, Unitas star hoarding rookie year. That's a cool piece. Um Great autographs. We mentioned, obviously, the Wright Brothers pieces, uh, the Clemente check. There's an Alexander Cartwright piece, um, Jimmy Collins signed piece. Super um, good stuff. Yes. You guys have some good non, non-sports stuff, too. Yeah. You know, we always have a bit of, you know, a little bit of it always mixed in there. There's usually some some good singles. I think in this auction, we got a lot of, you know, kind of oddball non-sports sets, cinema sets from 20s and 30s that are in there and singles and groups. So very cool. Very, very, very cool. cool. I listen. I want to ask you guys both a question. First, uh, you, Matt. So how do you tell a consigner or somebody walks in? hand you a card, hand you a piece of memorabilia, either you send it out or you look at it and you say, it's fake. I mean, have you had some, have, you know, walk us through that, especially, especially when someone thinks it's really a valuable piece. How do you break the news? Oh, do we lose him? I think we lost, uh, we lost Matt. Uh, Paul, you answered a question. 
Yeah, I, I'll tell you that uh, it's difficult. Uh, you kind of have to handle it. Uh, depends on the person. I'll tell you, I'll give, give you an example. I bought a, a good friend of mine was a large auto dealer and he uh, retired, uh, sold a dealership and his office was filled with memorabilia. And I said to him, uh, Chris, whenever you get out of the business um, or get rid of this stuff, I want to have first dibs on buying this. So that first dibs happened to come up. Anyway, I take pictures of every autograph and I send it to my guys at JSA and they'll tell me, hey, it's good or bad or what have you. And unfortunately, uh, a few mantle pieces uh, a few DiMaggio and Williams, the common forgeries were no good. Ugh. And uh, he did not like to hear it. But I said, Chris, under no circumstance can I ever sell anything. If it's not authenticated autograph wise, of course you can. I, I do not touch it. And it's it's difficult uh, to tell somebody, uh, but it, you, we're in business and we have to do the right thing by our customers. And if we think it isn't, then it isn't. Matt, have you ever had that experience where you it was uh, you know a really what they thought was a really expensive piece and you had to let them know that it was fake? Yeah, you know, and unfortunately, fortunately for us, it doesn't happen super often, um, but it does does occur most of the time. In my experience, people are pretty understanding and appreciate the honesty. You know, oftentimes I found that if someone is asking for your opinion on it or consigning it without certainty, they kind of in the back of their mind know it's a possible outcome. Um, the toughest part is secretarial and clubhouse signatures where, you know, they have the story passed down where someone in their family actually went to a game, you know, and, and got a ball signed by the team. And then you get, you know, the, the Jackie Robinson's clubhouse or kind of what have you. And, and those are the toughest for people to kind of wrap their head around. But again, I think people appreciate the honesty. Um, so, Matt, what is your background, uh, Matt? What do, can uh, can you t- kind of take, take you know take us through that? Yeah, so I've been in the industry now for almost half my life, probably about 15, 16 years now. Wow. Um, I I began working for uh, my uncle and mentor Joe Drellick when I was in high school. Oh, stop, um, stop! Joe is your uncle. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. My condolences. <laughs> but go ahead, continue. <laughs> Great. Guy. Um, so, and then after that, I. I when I graduated college, I worked for SGC for about four years, one in New Jersey and three in Florida. Um, and then I moved back up here to work for Brian. And I've, I've worked for REA now for uh, four and a half years or so, almost five years. So, yeah, you have. So that's a pre- pretty good uh, pedigree you have. I mean, you've, you've been to some really good quality uh, places. What do you collect yourself? Uh, I like vintage cards. Um, I don't have a very specific focus, mostly just cards that I like. Uh, 53 Page is one of my favorite cards. Um, I have an SGC 6553 Bowman Color Pee Wee Reese is one of my favorites. I have nice an SGC cut. 6. Um, I have a T205 Cy Young in an SGC 5. Um, that's probably my my one of my favorite cards. Um, I'm a Mets fan, so I have a 71 Ryan, um, you know, SGC 7. Uh, and, you know, just some other odds and ends. I have a low-grade Chamberlain rookie. I have a T205 Matthewson, um, things like that. Paul, what about you, Paul? What is your one favorite piece that you own? Yeah, I, I have the th- the thirty three Gaudis, the Ruths, the Garrigs. And so th- those are your favorite personal those are, pieces. Those are probably those. But I I tell you, it's funny, and I was going to ask you the same thing. Like, is there anything that y- you have that will never go away? For me, I say that because I do. my kids 
they could care a lot. And they're big sports guys. I told you that my son works in, yeah. in basketball with the Knicks. But they could care less about the cards. So it, like, it, I, I agree. What do you do? Well, I, again, um, it depends on how, I, in my opinion, it depends on how big your uh, uh, your collection is. Um, I guess I, I guess my advice is if they're not interested, then before the big guy calls you up, get rid of them. Or, you mm-hmm. know, sell it. I have sign them to REA. Yeah, there you go. I have. Uh, I, I I really pick and choose uh, what I collect. I mean, a lot of times, and I do the same thing. I'll flip. But it'll be a vintage piece. I'll, you know, if I see a good buy on a vintage piece, I'll buy it, hold on to it for a year, and sell it. Then use that money to buy something that I'm going to keep. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I and, and uh, my collection is really kind of all over the place. I mean, my prize collection, I think, is the. Uh, I think I've I've told you about this. I hit Paul the uh, uh, the first edition. Um, copy of pitching in a pinch yes. by christy matthewson signed by yeah. christy matthewson it's yeah. a pristine signature yeah, it's that, that's a very 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 cool piece uh, i really beautiful. and then i like i like contracts man I, I know that they're hard to display but i like contracts i have uh, i have my i have a really cool uh, i think it was 1915 or 16 when uh grover cleveland alexander went into the office and bitched because Walter Johnson uh, was making twelve grand a year, and I, he had just won the triple crown of, of, of pitching. So he demanded uh, that he was going that he wanted to make what Walter Johnson uh, made. Blah blah. And I have that contract. Uh, they, it's a it's a great piece, you know, great. signed in two different places by uh, Alexander. That's kind of the stuff I like. But I guess it's up to the individual. Whatever you like, you like. Listen, we have about uh, two and a half minutes left. Again. Uh, any other items on your uh, auction site uh, that you want to talk about, Matt? Um, you know, again, look, there's we have nearly 4,000 lots in there, so there's a lot of great stuff. I think there's something for everybody. Um, obviously, the the 52 Mantle, um, you know, the T206 Cobbs and uh, T206 Rarebacks. We have a Yum Yum Tobacco John Clarkson, which is a um, very, very rare. Cool. Yeah, super cool issue. Uh, don't see those every day. Um, try, try to get a hold of a John Clarkson autograph. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> They're impossible. Uh, you know, we have a Babe Ruth cut signature and a PSA ten. It's just a beautiful piece. Um, like I said, the the you know the autograph collection that was consigned there is just really neat. And and Paul, what about you? Uh, first of all, Paul, can people go on pbcollectibles.com to buy? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. And uh, usually what they do is usually contact me right through the site, uh, reach out, see what's going on. Uh, but yes, definitely. Uh, matter. And you talk about fines in your gags moment. We have about actually, 30, 40 seconds. I'm actually going out as soon as we hang, as soon as we finish up with the show to go look at another collection. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. But it's kind of that 80-20 rule. That's what you got to do, baby. That's what you're going to do. So we're going out. Okay. Your website is pbcollectibles.com, correct? Yes, that is. And Matt, your website address, reaauctions.com, correct? Robert Edward Auctions.com. I'm sorry, Rob. I always get that screwed up. Robert Edward Auctions.com. No problem. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. I know you jumped in at the last moment, man, but you're really good. I'm going to tell Brian, he's out, you're in. And uh, (laughs) Nice to uh, meet you, Matt. And Paul. Paul, as always, uh, you've been a great support to the uh, to the show. Notice I have my PB Collectibles hat on today. It looks good in, on you. It looks good in, on in, you. In honor of you. With that being said, thank you guys to our viewers and listeners. If you can make a Thanks contribution, 
If you can make a contribution to Little little Smiles, please do so. And with that being said, happy collecting. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.